All right, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Night High Desert Word Center. Hallelujah. You want to make your way over here in your seats and all that kind of cool stuff or get started. Well, actually, let's stand up and let's say our confession for our... Woo! We're staying on top of it. Hey, if you weren't here this morning, uh, make sure that you watch this morning's message because it's really important what I taught on this morning. So make sure that you that you watch that. Amen. We're going to stay on top of this whole thing. Okay. Confession for America. Here we go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan for this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Let me go over some announcements with you. I'm winging this off the top of my head because I got the announcement list in my other. <laughs> okay. So, September the 4th, Sunday morning only because there's no Sunday night service on September the 4th because it's Labor Day weekend. But on Sunday morning, Ron and Annette Thiesing, our missionaries, are going to be here. Now, you all met them last year, so they're going to be here again Sunday morning, so make sure you don't miss that. No men's meeting for the month of September because it's Labor Day weekend. Women's meeting. I need an usher. I need an usher. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> you want to stay up here and talk about the... Uh... Okay, hang on Hang on a minute. Um, he's going to pass that out in a minute. The women's fall kickoff meeting is... Yes, there you go. September the 9th. <laughs> Friday night, second Friday night of the month. 6.30 in Victory. So the church is going to provide the basic lettuce stuff, but you're supposed to bring something to put on top of that. We're going to have a salad bar or make little sandwiches that are cute or little desserts that are cute. And the, the theme of it is celebrating you. So it's all going to be about you, ladies and girls. So make sure that you come to that. Okay, now he's going to talk about... There you are. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so young adults, make sure I'm clear. Young adults, um, oh, it is up there. Awesome, we did get a flyer up there. Awesome. Okay, so there's a flyer up there, as you guys can see, for young adults. Um, Saturday, October 8th is a Brandon Lake concert. We'll be leaving here, meeting at Victory at 1230. Uh, gas money will be appreciated. We understand, you know, things are tight. Just get with us. We'll work something out for anybody who needs help. Um, we're trying to leave early so that way we have enough time to beat traffic, to make stops, to accommodate people who need to make stops for anything. Also, September 2nd and 16th, 17th, 16th, we're doing another uh, young adults get together as well. So that way if you guys want to uh, hang out before the concert, before we all do the concert, you get to know us, build some friendships, build a friendship with people so you can ride down there with somebody so you're not taking your own vehicle by yourself we can all hang out uh, what is it? October 8th friendly 
Also, just remember that this ministry is for 18 to 30, ages 18 to 30. Whether you're married or single, it doesn't matter. So we got a lot of uh, 18-year-olds that just came out of youth group that ought to be going to that. So that's pretty cool. All right. Well, are you ready for happy time? Happy time, happy time. So tonight, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and uh, these ushers will be more than happy to serve you. Tonight I'm going to do something really cool. Do you guys have these uh, August scripture reading or, or devotional? At home, yeah, at home, yeah. I'm going to read out of it. I'm cheating. I'm going to read out of it for today, today's thing. How's that? Is that pretty cool? Now, pastors, next month is going to be on faith. Pastor's done a month on love, a month on uh, finances. This is this month, a month on prayer. Next month, the, the topic is faith. So these are really cool. So I'm trying to work a way to make this into a devotional devotional so we'll always have it. Oops, I shut my page. Okay. So today is August 21st. So the scripture reading for today is Leviticus 27.30, which says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's, and it is holy unto him. And then verse 32 says, And concerning the tithe, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord, which he just got through saying. So pastor said, I've heard people say because they tithe, I've got seed planted, so I have a harvest coming. But that's not true. He says, One time the Lord told me to have a farmer in our church bring a bushel basket of ears of corn to church for a demonstration. During the sermon and teaching about the tithe, I laid out several ears of corn. I set aside one out of every ten for the priest, quote-unquote, for his food, in other words, for the tithe. So these could not be planted in the ground for a harvest because they belonged to the Lord or they went to the, the pastor of the local church. The remaining 90% could be used of their, of their own money to plant some for a future harvest, but also to sell or pay bills, etc., then some to eat. So whatever was left, I could determine how many to plant for a harvest time. This is how our tithe works today. The tithe... Your 10% that you bring into the church, the storehouse, takes care of church bills, upkeep, and salaries. Offerings are seed planted. And offerings aren't just what you give in church. You can give financially in many different areas of life. When you give, always give cheerfully and in faith. Now, isn't that nice to read? Hallelujah. So it's full of all kinds of those cool things. Okay. Let's say our financial faith confession, and then we'll turn this over to Joshua and... Rayliana. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, you ready? Let's stand up and say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough give generously into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. As always, feel free to join us at the altar to worship if you want.
And Jesus, we thank you for that life. We thank you for the things we've learned as Christians from the Bible. And we thank you, Lord, that no matter what comes our way, your word does say in Romans 8.31, that if God be for us, who can be against us? It makes no difference who or what's against us, as long as we know you're for us. And we're for you, we're going to stick with you, that every situation, we will come out on top as we don't quit. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Woo! Well, first of all, I want to show you a book out of the bookstore. I just, I was back there looking at some of our books, thinking about what all these books has, has done for me, thinking about all the new Christians, young Christians we have in the church. And this book's called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. And Brother Hagen from the, from the Bible teaches about the different, diff, different uh, stages of our Christian life. And probably everybody's heard that when you're born again, you're a baby Christian. Amen? You're a baby Christian. And then he talks about mature Christians. And then there's in between, childhood, adolescence, etc., etc. But the Bible gives the characteristics of different phases of Christian life. And I think about when when our, when our kids were younger, I know that uh, we go to the, the doctor sometimes, they'd, they'd have these growth charts and things of where they ought to be for their age, how much they should be weighing, how, uh, how tall they should be, et cetera, et cetera. And so the Bible tells us different phases of Christ, Christianity, and uh, because it tells us these different characteristics, it's not, it has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. I've known baby Christians. I, I'll tell you one of the biggest baby Christians I knew was 95 years old. And I'll tell you what, that woman messed her pants all the time spiritually. She didn't have any problems with physical health or her head or anything, but the trouble she called. Because she was making messes all the time. And then I've known some Christians been born again for a couple of years, man, they're like seasoned vets. Because they got a hold of the word. They let the Holy Spirit have control of their lives and they grew. So anyway, this book here, 
will really, really help you. It helped me years ago when I was a new Christian, read this very same book. We got lots of copies back there. It helped you measure your growth and see where you are and see where you're falling short. It'll, it'll, it'll help you, give you instruction on how to stretch yourself so you can grow. But those books, those books are back there because they're some of the things that I've fed on for years that have helped me and uh, really it's some of the best stuff in the world. That stuff just really helped you grow as a Christian. But tonight we're going to look about at the Bible way to turn hopeless situations around. Has anybody ever had a hopeless situation? Or maybe you're looking at a hopeless situation right now. And you know, when you think about hopeless, the Bible talks about uh, you have to have hope where you can have faith. But if you're hopeless, that means you feel like you've already lost and you'll never make it to faith because you don't have any hope even. But God's got the way to get things turned around. And I want to start off with by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15. And <clears throat> I've been going through my journal lately and looking at different things. And uh, when, I was, when I was praying a couple of weeks ago, I had a really, really good session with the Lord. And I got to thinking about our ministry. We pioneered our... We preached for a while, but we pioneered our first church in 1992. And, and, and we sought the Lord on what His plan was for our ministry, what He wanted us to accomplish. And really what it came out of is Ephesians chapter 4, to equip God's people. To equip God's people for a victorious Christian living. And I think about some of these titles the Lord gives me these messages. How to, how to, how to. And so all the time... We're showing you what to do. And so if you're in a crisis right now, or you know somebody that is, this is how to successfully come out of it so you can live another year, so you, so you can finish out your life that God has for you. But anyway, I want you to look right here at 2 Timothy 2.15. And it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word dividing there means rightly interpreting. Rightly interpreting. And so God says you've got to study the word of God. So you won't be ashamed in life. How many have ever, ever met weird Christians? The kind of Christians you hope your family, somebody you're witness to doesn't meet. <laughs> I think we all have. And we don't want to be a weird Christian that runs people away from the gospel. We want to be the kind of Christian that draws people to the gospel. We're, we are gospel carriers. And the gospel is the good news. And you know, God did not call us to be flaky or goofy or say stupid stuff about the Bible to deceive people. But God called us to be able to understand the Bible and be able to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we're in a conversation with people that he's working with and wants to get into the kingdom of God, that we don't, we don't, we'll know when it's time to speak up and when it's time to shut up. And, you know, I, I've hit the bunny trail now, but it always happens. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with people in the world that don't know Jesus, that's the wrong time to get in Bible discussions with other Christians about tongues. That's the wrong time to start condemning a lost person to hell because they already are, they're lost because they don't tithe 
or because they're sleeping with somebody that they shouldn't be sleeping with. Well, the whole thing is, you got to get born again. you got to get born again to have the strength and the faith to break away from things you shouldn't be involved with. you got to get born again and get the revelation about money and about tithing before you start tithing. You know, there's, there's a lot of people understand a lot of Bible principles, but they've never received Jesus Christ yet. They've been, they've been raised right in a good moral home and things like that. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And so we as Christians have got to know how to live like Christians, not be goofy Christians. Amen. And so he says uh, that we got to study so we can rightly interpret the word of truth. And, you know, I think about this statement here. If it's, he tells you you have to learn how to rightly interpret the Bible, he wouldn't say that unless it was possible to wrongly interpret the Bible. To twist the Bible and make it say things that you think it says based upon your experiences. I know that uh, I was talking to Ernest a while ago about some of the good old days a long time ago. But when I got born again, uh, God had me in a Pentecostal church. It was a Pentecostal church. It was half black, half white. We had a rocking organ. We had lots of instruments. We had lots of shouting, jumping, and carrying on. We had a lot of Holy Ghost. But they weren't great Bible people. They based a whole lot of what they preached upon how you felt. You know, if you got the goosebumps, God was there. If you didn't have goosebumps, you wasn't very spiritual. And I think about when I was in, in Bible school back in the early 80s, had a Bible school teacher that was teaching on prayer. And he said, if you got to have goosebumps to know that God's hearing your prayers, I'll bring you a block of ice tomorrow and you can sit on it. And so that every time you pray... You go get your ice and get your goosebumps, and you know God's there. Well, God is not there because you had goosebumps. I, I think about, matter of fact, my, my, my first pastor's wife. I'd been in a service. I was a young Christian. And, you know, I felt like a lot of you feel a lot of times. I didn't feel saved. I didn't feel anything. But I knew I was because the Bible said if I believed in my heart and confessed in my mouth, Jesus was Lord, I'm saved. And so I knew that I'd ask Jesus in my heart to be my Savior. I knew I was. As she'd get up there and get to dancing around, woo, woo, woo. If you don't, if you don't feel that, then you're not saved. I look up to heaven and I say, Jesus, I guess I'm not saved. Because I didn't feel anything. Amen. And so we have to understand that we need to study the Bible for ourselves and know what the Bible says if we're going to be able to come through life and win. And so, what I want to talk about tonight in that first church there, uh, they, they had a lot of Holy Ghost. Man, there was a lot of Holy Ghost, but they had error mixed in with it. They did teach some Bible, but then some of the Bible they taught was wrong. They did, they did a lot of fleecing people out of money. They did a lot of fleecing people out of money. As a baby Christian, I don't know about you, I still want to do what God wants to do for offerings. We got missionaries, I want to give the missions offerings. We got a guest speaker, I want to give. If they buy the church man, I want to give. But the way they did it, they did so many services a week that they, they'd pass out envelopes. And before the service started, they knew how much money they wanted. They'd have $50 envelopes, so many of those. They'd have so many $100 envelopes at 10s and 20s and things like that. Well, I was a young family man, had family business to take care of. So they'd do their preaching, then they'd use scriptures to twist it around. I said, oh, God said, there's 10 people going to give $100 tonight. Come and get your envelope. They say, now we got another 15 people that's supposed to give 50. 
And man, every service has a young Christian wanting to do right. I sat there. If nobody's going there fast enough, man, I'd sit there because I didn't want to uh, grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'd always go up there and get more envelopes than what I could handle. And I got in trouble with my money. I got I got to where before I'd come to church, I'd do those special services. I'd leave my money on my billfold at home. I said, oh, God, you can't tell me. I've got to give it because you see I don't have it. But what I'm telling you is this. They preached guilt and things like that to try to take care of their needs. And that's not the way it works. And so they had a lot of that going on. And then also, not only that, but they was preaching that faith came by praying. Well, how many know what Romans ten seventeen says? Put Romans ten seventeen up there on the, on the screen, Alex. Romans ten seventeen. how does faith come? By hearing what? The Word of God. Is praying right? Absolutely. Praying's right. Tithing's right. Loving's right. A lot of things in the Bible's right, but faith doesn't come by loving. Matter of fact, matter of fact, faith works by love. And faith doesn't come by tithing. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And then the biggest one that got me in trouble, they were preaching that great faith came from great trials. And they told me that if you're going to have great faith, you've got to have great trials. And so guess what I started praying for? I was a baby Christian. Well, I opened the door to the devil. I opened the door to the devil, started praying for hard times and bad things because I wanted to have great faith. But man, oh man, oh man, did the devil oblige me. I tell you what, I cannot tell you the season of H-E-L-L on earth I went through until God got me under the word hit a word church. Because I was praying the wrong prayer, they didn't teach me that if I wanted more faith, I had to get more Bible working in my life and study the Bible. And see, that's right, that's right, that's wrongly dividing the word of truth, say that faith cometh by trials. And then I think about that, uh, and, 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 and getting things turned around, they tell me that, uh, that that faith come out of the trials. Well, then as I studied the Bible, I saw the faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and then... They say that God sends those trials to teach you. You're going to, he's going to teach you to send you trials and hard times and tragedy. Well, then I come to find out that the Bible says that faith comes by studying the Word of God like we're sitting here studying. Then also, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says God set pastors and teachers in the church to teach you. And so I read that. And so then I come to find out that the trials... Turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10, I come to find out that the trials came from the devil to try to destroy me. And, and that God's the one that through the trials, through the things that happened, over the years I've learned that when I study the Word of God through trials, my faith will grow, not because of the trials, but because I got in the Word during the trials. And when I got in the Word during trials, of course, I'm praying. But faith didn't come out of that trial because, because faith didn't come by praying. Faith came because I prayed for answers for the Lord to show me from the Bible what to do. And so then my faith always grew through those things, but it didn't grow because of those things. You see the difference? How many know that everybody in the world, Christian or sinner, goes through trials? 
How many people do you know that come out of trials, they got more faith? If they're not serious Christians, they don't. They come out destroyed. They come out mad at God. They come out mad at preachers. They come out mad at churches. They come out mad at family members. They come out mad at everybody else because they weren't taught the Word of God. Can you see what I'm saying? The, the error in that. There's great error in that. So John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is such a key verse. Jesus said, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And I like the amplified version of this. And I always write this in when I got a new Bible. I always write the amplified uh, version of this last part. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so when you look at these verses right here, you see the God side and see the devil side. And see, this is the thing about it. The world does not know about that unseen enemy. They think everything's happening, just happens, you know. They got to think, well, things just happen. What goes around comes around. And, you know, sometimes you have bad luck and sometimes you don't. You know, it's just all about luck. No, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life, that they might have it more abundantly. And so one thing you have to know when you're in a crisis to help the situations around. I've had so many Christians come to me, Pastor, I honestly don't know if God's trying to tell me something. And I say, well, do you think God wants you to have a car? Your car just blew up. you got to get to work. Do you think God's trying to tell you something? I think the devil's trying to hit you. What do you think? Is that still and kill and destroy? See, that, that, that's an old spiritual brainer. God wants you to be able to go to work. God wants you to have a good car. God wants you to have gas in your car. If God wants to teach you something, then the first thing would be get your butt out of bed and go to church. Amen. Hang around with Christian people. Amen. Hang around with Christian people. I run, I've, I've run into a few people that don't go to church, but they call themselves Christians. They might be. If they have Jesus in their heart, they believe he's, he died for their sins, they're Christians, but they want to debate me in public. I've run into people in restaurants. Go, hey, I want to tell you something. You're a pastor, right? Yeah. Uh, I, w- I, want to, I want to show you the Bible that you don't have to go to church to be saved. I said, well, I said, you're not showing me anything. I know that. But if you're going to have any strength, if you're going to have any victory, if you're not going to be a selfish person want to take other people to heaven with you, you better come to church to get out of the anointing, to learn the Bible, to learn how to have a good marriage, to learn how to, how, how to raise your kids for Jesus, to learn how to keep a job, to learn how to get healed if you need it. To learn how to get delivered if you need delivered. To get victory in your life. But you're right, sir. You don't have to show me that in the Bible. I know you don't have to go to church to be saved. But if you want to do anything great for Jesus, you better go to church. Amen. But see, that, that, that that's twist of the Word of God. And then I, I was thinking about that a while ago. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says you, one member of the body can't say, I have no need of the rest of you. It said the hand can't say, I don't need the foot. Amen. It said the arm can't say I don't need the leg. The eye can't say I don't need the ear. We need all the parts of our physical body. And God used, God used the Bible to tell us that's just like our spiritual body. 
in our church, we need the pastor. How many can agree with that? But isn't it so wonderful tonight that we have ushers to take care of a lot of business going on? We have nursery workers to take care of the kids right now. We have all these different things going on, and they're all necessary. I can't say, well, I, I don't need any ushers in my church. I can do it all. Well, that's like the goofball saying, I don't need church. I need every member in the church. We need to work together, get the job done, and God needs you. And, you know, that makes me, that reminds me of an example, though, of how important different parts are. I had one lady in my church back in Indiana. She was a super-duper, super-duper Ph.D., D.D.D., Ph.D., Ph.D., D.D.s, all the P's, H's, and D's, college professor at Indiana University. And she, she, she what her job was, she, she was a, a doctorate lady that would all, when doctors come back for more specialized training, you don't go back for more, she was the person out the college that trained them. As a matter of fact, some of the uh, people in the Middle East, this is back about the time of 9-11, I'm thinking about that, that she actually was a college professor down there with Osama bin Laden. It's either him or one of his brothers or something. She, she tutored him down there at the college. And she's a Christian lady. And so what the whole point was, she didn't get to do a lot of stuff in the church. She stayed so busy with her profession down there, what she was doing. And she said, said, man, I'd like to come to these work days and do stuff right here. And I told her, I said, hey, what you're doing out there is a whole lot better than what you can do inside here, helping clean toilets or wash rugs or whatever you're doing. I said, you're doing what God called you to do. And then besides that, I said, that big fat tithe you put there every month you get paid really does a lot for the church. I said, you're down there to do what God wants you to do. Don't feel guilty because you're not in her vacuum. God's got plenty of vacuumers and other people. You're doing your part. But she came to church faithfully to get fed the Word of God, and then she took what she got to the Indiana University, and she taught people all over the world from lots of places and helped their lives. You see what I'm saying? But she came to church to get her faith fed. She came to church to get the garbage of life at Indiana University off of her, things she had to see and hear and put up with. She came to get cleaned up by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, to take it back out to do what God wanted her to do. But she'd been on her own out there without a church and the Word of God, the anointing. She'd have floundered. Can you see what I'm saying? And so we need to rightly divide the Word of truth. And so we as Christians have to know God does want us in church. That's not in the notes or anything. That must be something somebody needed to hear. And so we do need the church. And so in John 10, 10, Jesus said, and we've got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth so you'll know if an attack comes where it's coming from. He said, I came that you'd have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And when I look at that, I think about this. <clears throat> when my son, Pastor Dave, was three and a half years old, he got diagnosed with leukemia, and he went crippled, I called that a crisis. I called that tragedy hit my home. My little son crippled, I got leukemia, but I praise God, I said at a good church that my pastor taught the Bible about divine healing, that where God stood, I did not have to pray one time and say, I wonder if God put this on my son to make me a better Christian. Has anybody ever heard that lie that God did this to make you better? That did not make me better that my son had that disease. It did not make me better. It made me mad. Not at God, at the devil. Amen. And that showed me how to pray what to do because I knew leukemia and crippled did not come from heaven. You know why? 
I did not have to enjoy life to see my son laying there like that. That tried to steal my joy. didn't help me. And then for my son, look what he's doing today. He pastors the church now, and he affects a lot of lives. He does a whole lot for the kingdom of God, helps a lot of people. But if the devil would have taken him out back then, that would have never happened. And so you need to know if something comes, what the source of the problem is. I want that to sink in before I move on. Because I'm going to show you how, how, how this one church taught wrong to us about dividing the word of truth. But I want you to understand that. If you lose your job, as caused you to lose your house, is that still a kill and destroy it? Or is that enjoying life? God is not going to cause you to lose your job to lose everything you've got. He's not going to do that. If the thief comes in, you need to know what to do to recover from that fall so you can keep on enjoying your life. Amen? There's so many things that happen in life that Christians just stand back with their head in the sand and say things like, well, this might be God trying to teach me something. I just highly suggest go back to John chapter 10, verse 10, and also James chapter 1, verse 13. James 1, 13 says, if any man's tempted, don't let him say he's tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, God does prove us, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't put sickness on us, addictions on us, break up our home. We go through stretches of life where he proves us faithful to see if we're going to stick with it. You understand what I'm saying? The difference is he wants to test us sometimes in life, but he doesn't test us with sickness and disease. He doesn't test us with divorce. He doesn't test us with evil things because James 1.13 says, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. He doesn't do that. That's the thief coming. Amen. Somebody say amen or oh me. Amen. So anyway, I want you now to look. I want to teach you a simple passage that a missionary that came to our church when I was a baby Christian really, really, really threw out there wrong. And I know it's hurt a lot of people over the years. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to look at verse 16 through 18. And I, I want to talk about this out of the context of helping you turn hopeless situations around knowing what to do. It's amazing how one little word in a verse changed can change the whole meaning of the verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. And we'll look at this in, in detail, but start off, it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, this woman and uh, I'm not judging her at all for her sweetness, her dedication to giving her life to God to go to these foreign countries and live in the conditions she did. But she told about, as she used this verse to share about her time, I think she's in Guatemala or somewhere. But she got there and read this verse, and I'm a baby Christian sitting there, know nothing about the Bible. As she said, I think she had malaria, as she was broke and starving to death. And she said, well, I did what the Bible said. God said, thank you for everything, for this is the will of God. 
And so she began, she said, to thank him that she was dying of malaria, that she was hungry, she was stuck down there, and somehow, some way, God did get her out of there. That got her back in enough shape to keep on living and preach another day. But then, but then, said under good Bible teaching, it changed the whole meaning of the verse. She said, for everything, but it doesn't say for everything. You don't thank him because your son has leukemia. You don't thank him because you got laid off and you had no source of income. You don't thank him because your home got broke up. You don't thank him because one of your children got addicted on drugs. You don't thank him because the bad things are happening. He said, in everything, give thanks. Why? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be thankful. He said, in everything, this is the will of God. Be thankful. What are you thanking for? Go back to verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Well, re-joy. You stir up your joy again. How you stir up your joy? <clears throat> stir up your joy again. You begin to start talking about great things he's done already that brought you joy. You talk about the things that gave you victory in life. You thank him about the time that he delivered you from this. You thank him about the time that your son received healing. You thank him about the time it looked like everything was all over financially. Then God came through. You begin to stir up that joy. If you stir up that joy, things begin to change. You stir up that joy, the Holy Ghost begins to rise up in you. You stir up that joy, the angels get all excited all around you. Man, they're ready to go to battle out there because something's going on. He said, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You rejoice. This is the will of God in everything. Give thanks. And if you can't give thanks for anything else, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm born again. I want to thank you that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I want to thank you. There's a Lamb's book of life. Lord, I've never seen it, but I know it's real because the Bible says so. I want to thank you. My name's in that book. Lord, I want to thank you that that time when I was 16 years old, I was in that drunken accident where I was the drunk. This is my own personal testimony now. But I was in that drunken accident. They said I was dead. You didn't let me stay dead, Lord. You let me come out of that so I can get born again later on. I want to thank you, Lord, for all those times you was there. That changes everything around. You understand what I'm saying? I'm about, about rightly interpreting the word of truth. I think about what he said right there. The difference between in and for. Isn't that something? I mean, that's amazing what one little word can do. Thank him for everything or thank him while you're in everything. You thank him for how good he is. You thank him for his word. You quote Bible verses. You start talking about what he has to say about things. He said, this is the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, would you go through a hard time? Right here it is. This is the will of God. Don't get bitter. Get better. Amen. Amen. So he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so uh, not long after this woman taught this, I began to get under word of faith, Brother Hagin, and people teach, teach the Bible, the daughter Rodney divided. And so the Bible, the Bible will interpret itself if you let it. And so you think about this, John 10, 10. I just want to keep on hammering that one home till you get it. John 10, 10, so you'll never have to wonder or pray about where's this coming from. Is it, is it going to bring you, is it going to bring you joy in life? Joy in living? Or is it going to steal your life? Is it going to destroy your life? If it's still and killing and destroying, it's not God. 
that changes your prayer life right there. You know, that, that changes the prayer life from the, uh, I, I don't know what to say, I've never been this way, but the people, why me? Why me? Why me? I've got one answer, the devil hates you. That's why you. Why did this happen? The thief come to steal, kill, destroy, and you're oblivious. Why did this happen? Why did my wife up and leave? Why did my husband take off? Why all of a sudden did they say they don't need me anymore on the job? Why? Why Why that happen to me? It's because the devil hates you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. And so when things happen, first thing you got to do is recognize that and then shift into praise mode. Father, I want to thank you. You're good. I want to thank you that you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. Jesus, you said you're always with me. Lord, you said that love never fails. Lord, you said your word doesn't return void, you, that your word will accomplish everything that you please. Lord, you confirm your word besides following. And because Mark 16, 20 says that he always confirms his word besides following, then what I've always done in crisis, <clears throat> I say, Lord, what word is it that I need to apply to this situation? Because if you're going to confirm the word, I've got to know some word. And that's one way I grew through so many situations. I had to know what word to pray that applied to the situation. I'll tell you what, it helped me learn the Bible quick because I prayed those trials in. <laughs> Once I found out the truth, I had to pray my way back out. Hey, man, you hear what I'm saying? And so we have to know, we have to know that no matter what you're going through, God can turn it around. He needs your cooperation. He needs your cooperation. <clears throat> he will not override your will. I was talking to somebody this morning about our solical part of our makeup, our mind, will, and emotions, that uh, for years I understood the mind part of my being right and the emotional part, but I didn't really understand the will. Pastor Dave's taught him that a lot the last few years and through my son. But he's up here teaching other than I've learned so much about that will. I know that uh, there's been people that I've wanted to pray for in the hospital for, and people say things like, they lost the will to live. That's part of their soul. When they willed not to live anymore, God can't override the will, and I can't either. And when somebody has lost the will for this marriage to work, well, I can't force their marriage to work, and nobody else can. They've got a will for it to work. Amen. That's the same way about anything else in life. You've got to will. You've got to want to will to stick with that job until things change on the job or God gives you something else because if man don't work, you don't eat. Except in California, they'll give it to you anyway. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying these, th these things going on in the Bible, you have to know what to do in time of crisis. And the first thing to do when things are going the wrong direction, you've got to shift into prayer mode and praise mode, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel like it or not. And so, let's look at this again now. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. You know, just a real simple question, and I think probably everybody in here would, would have an answer. Just stop and think, if any times in your whole life where it looked like it was over and you prayed, 
And you know, beyond any shadow of doubt, God's the one that moved. He did it. You know, you couldn't see him, taste him, smell him, touch him, or anything like that for your physical senses. And, you know, there may not have been any, any goosebumps or any, any flashing lights or anything like that. But, you know, wow, boy, God did that. I know he did that. You know, it may have been a relationship you put back together. It may be a deliverance of a loved one. It may be a healing for you of loved ones, something you happen where you know there's no way that this could have changed if God hadn't have done it. And so then for a season, just every day, you just, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And then you just go about with life, and then later on down the road, something hits again. And when it hits, if you, if you can't hardly pray, man, you're crying, you're hurt, you just stop and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I remember that time last year when this happened whatever it was. And Lord, I want to thank you. You're the one. Lord, it may be of healing. I know the doctors did what they could do, but Lord, you sped up that process. I came through that so much quicker. No side effects. And Lord, I'm back to work. My family's back together. We're all doing what you want us to do. And Lord, I remember, Lord, I remember when the money dried up, having the car problems, having trouble getting food, and Lord, I remember you did such and such and such and such. And Jesus, I know you're the one that sent those people to help me. I know you're the one that did that, Lord. There's no way that happened without you. What are you what's starting to happen? You're getting yourself all stirred up because you're rejoicing. You know, it's just like the pan of beans on the stove. They taste better when you reheat them. And all of a sudden, you get more excited now than you were then. Because you remember what he did back then. But that's him moving in you because you know what the Bible says to do. You're rejoicing. That if he did it once, he'll do it again. Amen. You see what I'm saying? That's what you do when you're in hopeless situations. I think about the pray without ceasing. You know, I, I, I don't know what kind of Christian all of you are, but since I found out on January 29th, 1980, that Jesus Christ was real, I've had conversations with him all day long, every day since 1980. And so that's to me, that's pray without ceasing. You're just talking to him all the time. I've had some times when I'm in deep sessions of prayer where you know, I'm by myself somewhere and I'm able to really get into it. But I remember driving a truck. When I drove a truck for lots of years, a semi, man, it was just all the time praying. You're driving a truck in traffic. You go to a place with that big rig like that. You're praying about a lot of things all the time. I said, oh, Jesus, when I get there, Lord, thank you for not having cars parked there by that telephone pole. That try to get through them to get to that warehouse or that dock. Jesus, please have things not be there. Just all the time talk to him about everything. Or knowing, knowing I'm getting ready to deal with a very mean person in a situation. How many here have ever dealt with mean people in life? That, you know, it just seemed like they, like they take a study course. How can I be mean to Dave today? <laughs> or how can I be mean to Frank today? Now, what, what can I do to make Frank have a bad day? Have you ever met people like that? It seems like they've got a they got a they got a thing in life. Just what can they do to make life visible for you? Well, you know, I've always had to pray. I say, Jesus, when I get there, I want to thank you. I go there. I'm walking in love. I'm going to be nice. I bind the devil in Jesus' name for using them, and I know that really works. But so many times when I bound the devil, they were still mean anyway. And so I got to find out it wasn't the devil; it was them. And I get there. And just pray without ceasing, just all the time having a conversation with God about everything in life. I just, I just think about that, pray without ceasing. I heard a man say years ago, 
had always stuck with me because I realized it's how I live and I think how most of you live. Somebody talked to this great, great man of God, I don't know if it was Billy Graham or who it was, said, well, well, how long do you pray? He stopped and thought, I don't think he ever prayed over 15 minutes. But I don't go 15 minutes about praying. Just constant communication with God. Just all the time staying hooked up, having a conversation with him. And then sometimes we have extended periods of prayer. But the whole thing is, if you're already on the hotline, you're hooked up and connected, then you're not going to get a busy signal if you're already talking. Amen. I guess, you know what, I guess maybe the times we're living in for all these modern phones and stuff like that, uh, they might not get busy signals anymore. I don't know. But I know what they were. How many here remembers busy signals? And you're wishing, man, I wish they get off there. I want to talk to them. And then, and everything, give thanks. And so this is what we've got to know, that in any situation we're in, if we will just stop and think, Pastor Dave taught it last Sunday, God is good all the time, Satan's bad all the time, we come through anything victorious. And I just, I just think about the character of God, that when you really begin to know the heart of God, the character of God, I think about all the times that I've done stupid things since I've been a Christian. Where I've made, where I've missed it, done wrong things, and thinking, man, I could, I could, I could have had left this world early because of dumb mistakes I've made. I had to think, he spared my life. He saved me. He brought me through that. And all the different things in life. When you know the character of God, and you go running to him, if you do wrong and not from him, there's a difference. When you do wrong, that's not the time you run away, that's the time you run to. You get back to him, and it's just, he's so good, you get back to him, and you just, when your heart's right, you say, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that, that was so stupid, that was so dumb, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He's just and faithful, forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you're connected, you keep on going on, and then he says, go and sin no more. But if you do, what did he say? How many times are you supposed to forgive your brother if he sins? Seven times seventy. And you don't make it a lifestyle of sinning. But when you know the character of God, you know God knows who you are. God knows how dumb we are sometimes. And so we have to know that if we'll always run to him and be thankful people, be grateful people, that we're always going to come out on top. It's no matter where you are, or what's going on, just always remember this. In everything, give thanks for the goodness of God. Give thanks for the faithfulness of God. Give thanks for the mercies of God. Give thanks for who He is. Give thanks for the blood of Jesus. Give thanks for the holy angels that are all around you. Give thanks that God's for you, not against you. If you live a lifestyle like that, I guarantee you, based upon the Word of God, that he will never fail you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. That's it. Let's stand up. Well, I hope that helps somebody. I hope that helps somebody because, you know, a lot of us have been around for a while at this, but there was a time when I was a new Christian and knew nothing. And so I was so grateful. I was so grateful to get under good Bible teaching to help me be here to tell you today. And so... If that was some things you've heard for the first time, just 
Start living that in your life. Be a grateful person. And I miss the pastor come up. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you need prayer for anything, then we want to pray for you. And, you know, I, I praise God for the body of Christ. I feel sorry for people that are unhooked up with a good church, with a good pastor, so they come in for prayer if they need prayer. You know, I, th- I think about sometimes people, because of shyness or bashfulness or whatever, they really want prayer, but they're afraid to come and get prayer because of what people might think or something. The whole thing is, man, when you need prayer, you need prayer because when you leave here, the devil's not going to roll over and play dead. He's going to try to turn the fire up. But if you got something to come out with, then you're going to be able to run him off every time in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you need prayer, come up here. We'll be glad to pray with you.
It's running after me With my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me
I want to thank you for the word we heard tonight. I'm so grateful we can call you Father. You may be God to the world, but your Father does. We're so grateful for that. Lord, I thank you for these words we taught tonight, resonating in our hearts. And an understanding, Lord, so that we always remember, no matter how bad it looks, or no matter how much it looks like you might have done something against us, that you're always for us, Lord. Our eyes are always going to be open to know that you're always good, and the devil's the bad one. And if we stick with you, Lord, we're always going to come out on top. Thank you for that, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's do our Barstow Faith Confession. Hallelujah. All right. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good stuff.